You're listening to The Table Talk with your host, Anthony Irvin, a.k.a. Spoken Light. Tune in every other Thursday starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time with me and a new special guest live on Facebook and Twitch. Without further ado, let's start the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to Table Talk. Welcome to a brand new episode. I'm your host, Anthony Irvin, a.k.a. Spoken Life. Glad to have you all here tonight. I am stoked to be talking to you guys, and thank you all for being here. Uh, I have an awesome, awesome guest tonight who I am uh, been looking forward to doing this for a long time. He has a best friend of mine uh, for about 20 plus years. I, it's, uh, my, that's the only person I can really say I've been best, best friends with for 20 plus years. So this is going to be awesome with us being able to talk about you know, friendship, talk about our passions. Uh, you know, he is a, a very big, passionate dancer where, you know, me, I'm a big, passionate musician. So we're going to be able to talk about our passions together and how they can, you know, how they kind of co-mingle and, you know, we can, you know, break off similarities and differences and just talk about life, man. It's, uh, you know, going to be fun. But before I do that, I want to be able to uh, give a shout out to the Patreons over on Patreon. Uh, Bernadette, David, and Mary, thank you all for being very supportive over on the Patreon uh, page. And if you want to be a part of the Patreon, please go to patreon.com slash table underscore talk and check out the uh, tiers that we have. We are dishing out content over there over the private community. You'll be able to get bonus footage of episodes audio downloads, video downloads, and uh, you know instant access to the private community uh, trying to form the big community over there. And also we have a Facebook group page. So if you feel you want to, um, you know, do something a little bit more or less and just, you know, you may not want to do the Patreon, but you still want to contribute in, uh, to the Patreon or the table talk community, uh, find us on the Facebook group of table talk community. So you guys can go over there and join, uh, on the Facebook group. We'd love to have you guys over there. So, uh, with that said, uh, you know, if you guys are watching, this is going to be a uh, previously recorded episode tonight, so I, I'm unable to be going live this week, so I'm uh, recording this on an off night with uh, my best friend here, and looking forward, like I said, looking forward to talking to him, I'm going to get to him in a sec, and this will be uploaded in a few days, uh, I'm just going to edit a couple things down, and this will be uploaded to YouTube, uh, it's going to be uploaded to Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, so you guys can be able to watch this all here. If you guys are watching uh, the thing now, thank you all for being here. I really appreciate it. So why don't we get into our special guest tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Jim Green, everybody. What's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing good. Doing good. This has been a long time coming. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been, it's been, you know, you know, we, we've had our conversations about, you know, our different passions, the you being uh, a dancer, me being a musician. We've had numerous talks about, uh, you know, our different passions, but I don't think we've ever publicly, you know, talked about them and how, you know, you know, when we talk about our passions that, it's a different conversation when people can just say like, Oh yeah, I, I like dance or I like music. But like when you are an actual dancer or an actual musician, 
it, it's a totally different conversation because you are the one who is entertaining those people rather than the people who are being entertained. So it, it's, uh, you know, cool to actually talk to like-minded individuals and, uh, you know, it's not always about music here on uh, Table Talk, and uh, I'm starting to branch out with people who are not only musicians, but just all different types of entertainment, because we all uh, love to entertain people with different types of uh, forms of entertainment. So I'm looking forward to you know picking your brain about uh, you know dance and uh, a lot more, man. So I. Uh, for those who do not know you, why don't you give everybody a little background to who you are? <clears throat> Absolutely. Um, so I grew up um, in Delaware County, Pennsylvania, and I had two older sisters that were dancing at the time before my younger sister was born. And I had all female cousins. Um the Jackson Five movie, I think, what uh, I can't remember the name of it, but they the, did a the, whole the American Dream. Uh, the, the American Dream. Thank yeah. you. Yes, that's the one. Um, so I was four years old, uh, and that was, and I don't remember anything before I was seven. And as I get older, that number rises. So I, mm-hmm. I don't remember. I don't remember anything before yesterday at this point. Um, so <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So. I mean, I ran into like my laundry room and I grabbed like a white glove and a hat that totally wasn't an MJ hat uh, when he did Billie Jean. And my mom was like, he has to dance. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was seven. And I I think also my other passion was I want to know how to flip. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted, like I saw people doing tricks and stuff. I was like, wow, I want to do that. Like, that's so cool. I want to do that. Mm. Um, so my mom enrolled me in, in, like, some preschool gym and dance class. I was seven. And then I was, like, a year later, uh, <laughs> really embarrassing. Um, I was seven, and I did this piece. And I had to wear this, like, full-blown one-piece unitard. Mm. And back in, uh, I think it was 1994, um, it didn't feel very cool. I had like right. these gold, these gold sequins, like <laughs> stripes running down my chest. Um, and like I said, nowadays you can do anything right. in the art field and you have to accept it. And if mm-hmm. you don't, you can go suck eggs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way of the world now, which is great. Everything should be accepted. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if you work in the art world, um, nothing is out of the realm of possibility. And that is so important. Like for me, you know, especially with all the friends that I have, um, from diverse backgrounds. But anyway, um, the next year I was like in a room with these two girls and they were like, you're doing a jazz dance now. And I was like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But then, you know, fast forward a few years, like jazz dancing was my favorite thing. And then, um, by the time I was going into middle school, I was introduced to like street jazz and hip hop dancing. Uh And, um, 
I had met my like very first like dance teacher inspiration that made me say, I might want to do this when I'm older. Mm-hmm. He was the coolest guy. I like I would I would go to conventions and take class from him, and then um, the the faculty would do like a staff performance at the end of the weekend, and I would watch him and be like, I. I want to be him. Mm-hmm. I, I I hope that I get to be as cool as this guy one day. Yeah. Right? Um, so yeah, that was like kind of the start of it. And it, it's really interesting. Um, I got to eighth grade and I, I wasn't planning on like going into any of this stuff, but uh, mm-hmm. we're here we're here now. I'm talking about my journey and um, you know, I was getting picked on a lot for being a male dancer in the late nineties. Like that wasn't a very acceptable thing. Like right. fast forward 20 to almost 25 years now and boys can dance is not a problem. I mean, there's guys that dance all over TikTok, and there's boys that dance. Exactly. And, and, and it's just a widely accepted thing. Now I grew up in a time where it just was like, Oh, if you dance, this means that you're a certain right thing. And I was like, no, I'm dancing because I genuinely love it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I think love doing this. My mom uh, saw how much I was being tortured through middle school. Um, she wanted me to quit because she didn't want me to bear the pain. And I was like, yeah, nope. Comes a point where, you know, that kids can be cruel no matter what but i mean uh, middle middle school like let's be serious like everyone is like trying to learn to have a voice even though they don't know that 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 they have a voice and if you know that you have a voice in middle school good for you like you mm -hmm. are mature at a very young age and you're probably being extremely respectful but you are in the minority let's be serious right so um it got to the point where, and I would never preach violence. I won't. And, mm-hmm. uh, my, you know, my mom was like, the next time that so-and-so says what and what to you, mm-hmm. you yank him out of his bench seat at lunch and you pop him one. And uh-huh. it was so funny because that never happened. And I, I've never had to encounter a violent experience since then. And uh, I am so proud of that because it's not the solution to anything, right? Um, So I moved, I think, do you remember um, the eighth grade talent show where like it was all girls and then there was me (laughs) and it was just a bunch of dance pieces. So if it's um, the same one that you and me were in, I think it was the same one that I actually went up and did my first uh, solo performance. So you're thinking of our high school senior variety show. I'm talking about we had an eighth grade talent show. Well, yeah, there was um, an eighth grade talent show. Or no, no, yeah, there couldn't have been because no, I didn't really start getting into bands until until high high school. school. So yeah, Yeah. so so I wasn't a part of that. But yeah, I I think I do vaguely remember you. uh, I think that might have been. Well, no, I 
maybe sixth, seventh grade, I think that's when I started, you know, when we started hanging out and uh, I started going to one of your dance competitions and I, I've never been to a dance competition in my life and kind of just seeing sure. the whole, you know, because I was brought up with sports and, you know, I was mm -hmm. vaguely starting to get into music sixth, seventh grade. Um, but you knew sports life, which but I is knew the sports a very, life, so, like, yeah, structured situation. And yeah, dance so it was very different with, like, you know, different, yeah. like, uh, you know, in between and during the performances of how pe the you know the community is of like you know cheering on the people and you know kind of getting the vibes of everything so it was very interesting to see a different community type of people and how they react where you know you have a sports community and then you have your dance community i mean different you know aspects but it's always cool to kind of just go out of your comfort zone and see how other things are played out so and then you know obviously going to see you perform and that's the first time i like in my eyes, I was like, this kid definitely loves what he's, you can tell he has a, a, a genuine love for what he does up there. And like, he takes it serious. Sure. And I think, um, uh, validation is like, you don't want to rely on it, like to be the purpose for why you do whatever you do. Um, but from sixth grade to eighth grade, I was like on this journey and just feeling like, you know, nobody accepted me or, um, I mean, a few people did, you did obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, but I did this, uh, you know, this talent show in the eighth grade and this was like off the brink. So like what my mom was saying about like one more word, give it to him kind of thing. And I you was just a, like, you Ugh. did a Daughtry song, right? That was the one you did Daughtry? No, I was 21 years old when I did the Daughtry song. Daughtry wasn't a thing in 1998. Come on. <laughs> what? What? I, I, I'm getting my years all messed up. I know, uh, I know getting, you did Daughtry one time, but or was that was that uh, Jeffrey Gaines? We're, we're getting to those. So Jeffrey yeah. Gaines was when I was like 18, 19. Daughtry okay. was when I was 21. I'm, well, I'm going back to when I was 14. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, that's a little off. Timeline's a little off there. <laughs> so um, we had um, – uh, in the eighth grade, after I did that talent show, um, I did a couple solos, and I think everyone had this preconceived idea, like, "Oh, he's a ballerina," which, like, yeah, like wasn't a cool thing. I remember uh, you talking then. about the outcomes of after you got done doing that, and, you, and a lot of people coming up to you and be like, like you were just saying, like, I expected something way different, and after I saw you do that, like, dude, I've total respect yeah. for what you do. Yeah, so uh, exactly what you're talking about right now. One of um, the most popular guys uh, in our grade in middle school, um, and he's great. I, he's mm -hmm. still he's still a great member of the community right now. Um, I ran into him in the hallway one on one, and he was like, "I just want to let you know, um, that was really cool what you did." And that, like that validation right there to me was like, okay, for all of the ish that I went through in middle school, that just happened. And I mean, I went to high school and I still, you know, tried to fly under the radar. I didn't talk about me dancing too, too much. I mean, right. um, my, uh, you know, fellow dance peers that I, um, you know, grew up at my hometown dance studio with uh, that went to school. Like they knew that I danced, but it wasn't 
you know, widely talked about or whatever, right. which is, which is great. Like mm-hmm. I said, I was, I was like, I want to go to dance like after school. Um, and I want to dance. Yeah. And that was, that was my, like, you know, as a child, that was my safe place. It right. wasn't the best. It, it wasn't the best place ever, but I didn't know anywhere else. And, exactly. um, I'll circle back to that, uh, in a few minutes, but, um, yeah, I was just kind of like, get me to graduation so that, uh, you know, my aspirations was like, get out to LA mm-hmm. so that, so that I can pursue dance. And, um, which is t- like the typical, uh, would you say like LA is normally like one of the typical ones to be like, everybody wants to go to LA. Everyone, I mean, M- it's music the dream. Wise, music it's wise, the dream. I mean, it's L.A. usually, or you know, the big popular ones like New York, L.A., and you know, I mean, I still think Philly has its, uh, you know, his ups and downs with being a, a good music community. But I, uh, I know always like you know, New York and L.A. have always been you know good breakout you know places. But like for dance, you know, it seems like all everybody's always like, ah, I gotta get get out to L.A. and you know, this this is where you know I need to be if I want to you know, make it. Yeah. I mean, um, you hear stories about like people who came from this town or that town. They, they weren't from New York or LA, but they all wind up there. I mean, that's, you don't gravitate to, you know, Washington DC to become, um, you know, a member of Cirque du Soleil. (laughs) <laughs> like it's right. It, it, you, you go to Las Vegas for that. You know what I mean? So, uh-huh. um, or I mean, you can get that gig somewhere else, but like, that's kind of the root of where that industry is. Um, so I went to high school and, um, You know, I was still doing karate because I did karate and baseball and dance when I was seven years old and my parents were running me around. I was like coming off the baseball field and my mom's like, put your key on, <laughs> get your belt on. Um, and then I was doing karate and then they were like, get your trash shoes on. <laughs> so like I, I did get to try a few things, yeah. but like they, they, um, my three sisters, I mean, my two older ones at that point, because my younger one wasn't born yet. Um, so missing came were dancing at that point, And um, they were pretty invested. They were doing a lot. And my parents were like, you got to give one up. So I gave up baseball, which I think crushed my dad a little bit because he wanted his son to do like the sports stuff. But like, yeah the best thing that I'll ever say about my dad uh, once, you know, he loved that I still did karate and I think he was upset when I gave it up when I was 14. Cause I got to the point where I was so invested in dance as a freshman in high school. And um, it was like, I came to the turning point where it was like, okay, well you're going to get better at this or you're going to get better at this. Yep. And I chose dance and I think my dad knew like, all right, well, as long as my son is invested full heartedly, that's all he cared about. Yeah. You know, as long as um, he's happy, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, my dad worked so much while I was a child. I didn't, you know, I didn't have a strong connection with him while I was a kid. 
Um, neither did any of us. He was just a workhorse. My mom right. took care of us. My um, uncle Rick was here all the time with us. Not here because we moved, but yeah. um, here for my mom to help take care of the kids and everything. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got to the point in high school like I said, I was flying under the radar. I wanted to be an engineer like my dad. And um, it was a summer going into my senior year. And my mom was like, you are so good at math. Um, why don't you consider going to college, getting your degree to be a math teacher, and then you can teach. You can be a math teacher during the day, and then you can be a dance teacher at night kind of thing. Yeah. So I graduated high school. Um, I, you know, was going to Westchester University to be a math teacher. And I did that for, God, I mean, I did it for two and a half years. But in the first mm-hmm. year and a half, I was like, okay, this is what I'm doing. This right. is this is my destiny because everyone knows what they want to do when they're 19, right? right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um. I was enjoying, I mean, I didn't live on campus. I commuted, which was fine. Um, And I enjoyed the math thing so, so much. I loved helping people understand math. Yeah. Like, and I think that that was kind of the start for me as to where I am now, where it's like, I grew to the point where I took from so many dance teachers that I was so inspired by where I was like, I want to be that person one day. So I gravitated towards wanting to be a dance teacher as well. Um, So, you know, I was going to school to be the math teacher thing. And then um, this thing fell into our hands where it was like, the studio I was growing up at, there were a lot of clients that were coming out and, and telling my mom, you know, you guys could do this and do it better. Mm hmm. And it wasn't just one parent and it wasn't just disgruntled parents with like the way that the other organization was being ran. It was just, they knew like our personality, our vibe. And so my mom, I remember being in my driveway still the driveway here, not at my old house (laughs) Um, with my mom and her saying I was like 20 years old and she was like we can do this and i was like i'm gonna sacrifice like my college life my freedom yeah to do to do this thing now and she was like well you could have you could have you know you could start this at 30 years old and start from there right or we or we can start now so I was like, okay, let's get a head start. Right. And like we had the puzzle pieces in place at the time, at the start. Um, and then a couple of things fell apart. And that was kind of like the fracture up front. But, you know, in our in our 12 prosperous years before we hit COVID, um, you know, the first six years easily – where like we were going uphill yeah and then it was kind of like 
right after the fact um so we had a rocky run um after that i started teaching at a couple other studios just to be like hey i want to explore i don't want to be secured one place and mm-hmm. <sighs> um i made sure that i was teaching at least 10 miles away from my home studio so i was teaching down in delaware i was teaching at westchester um and then fast forward a few years and then i was teaching down in newcastle delaware and down in middletown delaware um you know covid hit um a lot of other things hit and um you know fast forward and now i am about to enter a season where i'm teaching potentially a studio in new jersey two studios uh one up in limerick one in bluebell pennsylvania uh, one in Wilmington, one in Newcastle, Delaware, and one down in Baltimore. And I just got home this past weekend. I was traveling, um, doing backup dancing gigs um, down in Tampa, Florida, and over in San Jose, New Jersey. So needless to say, as a four-year-old watching Michael Jackson, I was like, I want to do that. And um, as a 34-year-old, fast forward 30 years later, yeah. um I'm doing this shit, you know what I mean? And yeah. like, I am not often proud of myself, but uh, I'm very, very much so not often proud of myself, but um, I am right now. And it's it's just a good feeling. It's a good place to be. Yeah. Very hum- I'm very humbled and blessed to be able to say, you know, um, you know, this is where I'm at. Uh, teaching all over the place as much as I am goes back to me saying, I want to help other people. Exactly. Um, and, and, and that was, you know, me wanting to be a math teacher and help people understand math, me wanting to be a dance teacher and aspire, um, to inspire, right. Uh, like the mentors that I had growing up. Um, I was like, I want to be that person. And every so often, um, I run into those moments where I'm like, I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And, it's it it is the most fulfilling thing of my life so um uh welcome to my ted talk we're good <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's a hell of a journey man and yeah i mean it's, I, it's, I know it's, i've kind of been you know seeing a lot of your journey since you know us being friends for so long and uh you know i i've seen your progress and like you were saying just from, you know, having a lot of your, uh, just being a regular dancer, then becoming more of like the business side of dance, and then now yeah. becoming the teacher and inspiring kids and other adults, uh, and showing them your love for it, just like when you were that age, to, to hopefully spark them and, uh, let them see what you were feeling and like to hopefully spark somebody to give them the same feelings, what you had to be like, yeah, this is, you know, how I express myself and I want to pass this down to other people. And like you were saying, uh, you know, that you, I mean, you're, you're a great, uh, you know, mathematician, uh, you know, you're great with numbers and, you know, you almost in a way, like you found, you know, the next best thing of being able to help people by, you know, teaching dance. So you were still able to keep 
dancing your life, even though, I mean, uh, you know, and I, I always say this with people, you know, uh, college isn't necessarily always for everybody. And yeah. I feel even today, I mean, you, you do need a college degree, but in the same way you, 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 you can go through life without it. I mean, there are entrepreneurs that, you know, being your own boss is, you know, has its ups and downs just like anybody, but it's so much more rewarding and fulfilling when you have those up uh, upbrings and you know you have those successful things that happen like you are now that you're you're starting to tour a lot and you're starting to you know up your uh places that you're teaching at and you know your your name is getting out there and you know more people are recognizing uh your passion and i wanted to also bring back what you were saying about the fact that like that crossroad that you were talking about uh with you know, going with baseball and dance and you chose dance. I remember I almost had the same thing with sports. I told you I was a bit, I was growing up playing basketball. My dad uh, and me and my brother uh, were big basketball people. We played all the way through high school and I had a a falling out with the high school coach. uh, I I remember that. I remember, you know, it was a big thing and I did not want to stop, but I had also, when I was in the same boat as I was just starting my first band and, you know, I was really into music at that point and I had to do the same thing as you. I had to choose, well, I can either go through my senior year and probably not play as much and sit on the bench in my senior year in front of all my peers, or I can get better at this band thing and continue to work on my craft. And, you know, I just, I picked music and I, I mean, I don't necessarily have any bad regrets of it. The only thing that I really wish I probably would have stayed for was my brother, but, uh, cause he was on the JV team. So it was more of like, you know, you're staying there for your brother, but, uh, you know, I just knew I wasn't in the greatest position. And like you said, I mean, I, I wasn't in a great space. I knew it, uh, you know, you knew you knew you had to check out. You were like, I, I, it, and it's, it's, it's like, like it's like when people that, say yeah. that it's like when people say when something doesn't when something stops becoming fun for you, it's probably your best way to give it up. And I I felt you know I still I still love basketball to this day, but it just with with all that drama, it just quickly got drained out for me and it was not fun for me anymore. I felt bad leaving a lot of my, you know, basketball friends and, you know, just, uh, but I feel that if I didn't do that, I wouldn't be where I, where I would be now with music with, you know, being my own, uh, you know, business person and playing my own gigs and playing with the bands that I did and, you know, getting better at my craft. So I feel like I'm in that same spot as you now, uh, that like you're, loving what you're doing and you know just as as a musician too you have your times where you're like man uh you know i see all these other people getting those big breaks and you know getting the shows that you wish you were at but you're like you just got to stay in your lane it's going to yeah, come I'm- for you and and uh you, you think about like success and uh you know we can talk a little bit more about this too with how you feel about it too but uh i, I feel with uh success it's it's a, a definition that comes in many different meanings for people. You know, some people say success is like playing for a sold out uh, Madison Square Garden, where some people say success for me is selling one thousand albums. 
success can be selling out my local bar and at a cover at a, at a cover show you know so it's uh success can be defined in so many different ways for people but it's as long as uh i feel as as long as you're happy with where you're at and it's for making you fulfilled and you're happy with where you're at yeah it's it's the best thing because it, nobody it, it's it's the worst thing being in a spot where you're not enjoying what you're doing but you're just going day in and day out being like I wish I was doing something else. Right. I mean, um, d- uh, did you want to follow up on that before I replied? Because I ha- I mean, I can say so much about everything you just said and yeah. up to you. Go ahead. Are you good? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> um, so let's go back to uh, – I'd say – the recent past, and I'm going to um, attempt to say this as uh, you know respectfully as possible, and mm-hmm. I will, because um, I have this backup dance opportunity because um, two of my closest friends were like, do you want in on this? And I was like, yeah. I didn't have to audition for it. It was great. I, I, I just fell into it. That's awesome. Right. Um, it's like our friend Doug said, it's not what you know, it's who knows you. Exactly. And I mean, exactly. it, I, he, he said that, you know, a few weeks ago or a month ago. Mm-hmm. And you and, I, you and I both read that and we're like, that's exactly it. That is the one. Okay? And I've never heard it said like that before. That way. It was kind of like. Me neither. I, I, I was 34 years old. And when I heard that, it's not, you know, they say it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's who knows you. Yes. Right. And, and, and so it's a matter of how do you put yourself out there? Um, right. And I, I, I am such a timid and insecure person. Um, I sit behind my dancing. It. It's like Michael Jackson said uh, before, and I just think about this all the time. He said in an interview once, I feel more comfortable on stage in front of thousands of people dancing and performing versus I'm sitting here and talking to you right now. Yeah. And it's like, I, I can't speak. I had, um, I had any public speaking uh, assignment that I had, whether it was in high school or Mm -hmm. in college. I like I skipped my high school one. I took uh, the almost failing grade, my third marking <laughs> period, in my senior year. I was like, "Oh God, yeah, this, this ain't good in my senior year." But I knocked out my research paper, my fourth marking period. I turned it in to my English teacher, and she graded it right there. She took like six points off. I got like a two ninety four out of three hundred. I sit up all night, and she read <laughs> she read through it, and she was like, "You're good." I was like, "I'm gonna graduate now!" Yeah. <laughs> and I felt the same when, way with public speaking yeah. that like uh, I felt it's same way with you that uh, I feel music for me when I'm up there in front of you know it could be five people or sure. like a couple hundred people I feel like I can speak better versus if I'm in front of a crowd just mingling I'm just like okay I'm just gonna sit back here I'm gonna be the follower in the conversation but then, you know, it's also like I am the host of a podcast. You can't be a follower when you speak. But I've always said this in a lot of my episodes that this podcast has actually made me a better speaker, probably a lot better than 
any public speaking class has ever done for me. And definitely, you know, cause it's like, I would agree. Cause I've seen you perform live more than probably anyone else <laughs> and other than, know, other than your parents, but you, yeah. you are so solid now. And I'm like, man, he has come such a way, like and a long you, way. And so, like I said, you so know awesome. me probably more than, uh, other than my wife, but, uh, you know, you know how shy I was growing up and, you know, coming out of that, uh, shell, hint, hint, uh, you know, it kind of gave me something to, you know, really speak on, you know, cause I, I, and a lot, and a lot of musicians are that way that, you know, when they're doing their music, they feel like they're, like you said, Michael Jackson, you know, he, 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 he feels he's a different person when he's on stage versus what you see in the public eye, you know, or him, or him just having a conversation one-on-one with someone like he probably sits there and feels so anxious. Right. Like, right. And it's like, you know, or when I feel if I'm talking about music to somebody, I feel that's when my, uh, you know, I'm like, oh, I get, I can talk about something that I love and I feel like I can talk, talk. But when it's something else that's not usually related to music, I'm just like, okay, uh, I'll, you can talk, I'll follow. Like it's, you know, it's, it's, it's funny because a lot of people are like, especially with public speaking, like, like you go on stage and you play in front of hundreds of people, but you can't talking and you can't do a public speaking thing I'm like it was it was the hardest thing for me like I, I bet you if i had a guitar in my hand while doing a lot of those public speaking things i probably would have done it a lot better <laughs> yeah yeah so um your your uh original track shell uh the one line is i aim to please um the world before myself which uh-huh. is what we were just talking about right yeah. um and and you know just going off of you know, the public speaking thing, I had to do a presentation, um, educational psych. I think it was my third semester in college and I had to do a five minute presentation about something that I didn't know jack shit about. And mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, I, like that, that, that was the whole thing was like, to me, I was, you know, at, you know, hindsight after the fact, I was like, if I cared about this, I would have been really good at it. Right. Right. I can stand up in front of a classroom, kids, adults, I don't care how old they are. And I can talk about dance until they're literally falling asleep in front of me because uh-huh. it's what we know. It's what I like. It's I have so much to talk about with exactly with, like with dancing. But like if you're prompting me with an assignment that's like. Uh, go up and talk about the quadratic equation for 15 minutes. I'd be like, are you kidding me? I can talk about it for like maybe 15 seconds. Like I knew yeah. the equation, but, and, and that's even me talking about a math thing, um, which right. I could probably, I could probably talk about it for three minutes, but you know, I, I, and I think that, you know, confidence is so big. And I think that you and I, you especially, cause I know where you were. Um, and you know where I was when mm-hmm. we were both in high school, like on a confidence spectrum, especially uh, that one time in Ocean City when we went to that nightclub. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah we, <laughs> we, we don't have to go into further detail no. than that, but you, you know what we're talking about. <laughs> that could probably be for a different podcast. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, see, see us next time for details on that one. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think Lil Wayne said it best, and like I'm not even the biggest fan of his. Uh, Mona Lisa is my favorite, and Kendrick's on the track. 
and I'm not even such like a huge rap and hip hop fan, like in that spectrum. Uh-huh. Um, I'm just a lot more of a fan of tell a story, be creative. You know what I mean? Um, and he, he does that there, but Lil Wayne's line is confidence is a saying that you can't wipe off. Right. And my other inspiration, not that Lil Wayne is one, but mm-hmm. so uh, my second cousin, uh, little Matt got me this book for Christmas there by Justin, Tim- Justin Timberlake. Uh-huh. It says hindsight and all the things I can't see in front of me. Right. So, right. <laughs> so big, like such a great book, such a, like it was, I, I opened it and, um, I had previously set, um, with one of my, one of my great friends, uh, one of my best friends, uh, Mr. Mike, um, a Justin Timberlake compilation piece and he happened to be in it. So when I, uh, and after that piece, um, you know, performed and I opened that, I was just like, yeah. Cause I taught him how to dance uh-huh. for such a long time and he still dances. Um, he just turned 17 and he's great, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I had Michael Jackson growing up. He doesn't have that, but he has Justin Timberlake and I don't know any other performer that is on that kind of level for inspiration like that. Right. Um, so I, I, you know, I think, um, it's just, I, I know I'm, I'm sidetracking a little bit, so I apologize, but, no, no, um, no. there's just so much that we can talk about and there's so much that I want to talk about. Um, yeah. So what, where were we? Uh, I apologize. Try to catch me up on where you started me. And then I can get back on track. Uh, you were talking about uh, my track shell. Yeah. So I, I, I know I said I aim to please the world before myself, which was just, you know, me wanting to help others with math. I, I discovered in, um, I could even dial it back to when we were in the sixth grade. I knew how to unlock our lockers uh-huh. so fast. And so I would go out and help other people that were like uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. Like that for the first day of high school <laughs> yeah it was like i was like i'm not going to memorize your combination but i want to help you unlock your locker mm-hmm. and so i i, I would go around and help people boom and they were like oh my god can you do it again I, and i'd shut the locker and be like no but i watch you do it on your own and yeah. then they do it and i'd be like you're good you go. to go and i like 11 years old like I was like, okay, I want to help people. Uh-huh. So, um, God, I wish we could get back onto what I know that I was driving at. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. We'll go back and rewatch this, and then I'll say, ooh, uh, and I'll note it down for the next time yeah, that I am absolutely. on. We just have so much to cover. Um, <laughs> so, so, much, so much to cover, so little time at usual uh, things. <laughs> we have plenty of time. We have plenty of time. Uh, I just want to say cheers. Thank you for having me on board. Absolutely, brother. Thank Clank. you. I love you. 
Thank you so much. Love you too, man. Uh, there were a couple things that, you know, knowing that you come from, and I, like I said, our, our backgrounds, although different, they kind of have a lot of the similarities too, but it's like, you know, one's going to through a music standpoint, one's going through a dance standpoint, but I feel it's like, you know, music and dance kind of, you know, kind of always go in and out when it comes they to They interweave, dance. right? Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you can't dance, well, you can dance without music, but it's almost like you can't, it's almost like you can, but you can't dance without music because that's where the feeling comes from. And it's right. more like, you know, music is like, what, what, what is that? It's right on my wall here. Music is what feelings sound like. That's the yeah. biggest, that's the biggest line that I've always heard. And that's all it's, it's, it's planted to my wall over here in my little, you know, basement studio here. Uh, but sure. yeah, that, uh, you know, I, I feel, and that's why I wanted to, you know, have this type of conversation because, you know, we, we have so much to talk about when it comes to dance and music and how they intertwine and we both love entertaining people. But yeah, uh, I mean, when, when it comes, when we've well, already mentioned, you know, Justin Timberlake and and Michael Jackson, and uh, you know, what who were a couple other people, and it could be either now or through your couple years, like who, who were those people that continue to inspire you to be like, yeah, this is a guy that I want to be influenced by and take some stuff from like who, who are a couple of the people that inspired you to continue to, you know, improve yourself and want to improve your craft of dance throughout the years. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the one thing while I was like kind of driving through, like growing up as a dancer, um, the studio I was at and the studios that I had worked for and the studios that I'm working for now, um, I didn't, really tap into um, one of the bigger pivotal components in my 20s, especially. Um, I traveled with this convention called Monsters of Hip Hop. And um, you you remember me traveling with Monsters and me telling you, oh, I'm here for Monsters. I'm going Mm -hmm. to Monsters this weekend for the, uh, yeah. So Mm -hmm. that convention had the like, top hip hop choreographers in the country and from around the world. They, I mean, they had people from New Zealand, they had people from Ireland, they had people from everywhere coming in, um, Canada, uh, South America. And like, it just, um, I was just so very fortunate because the regional manager of the convention, um, reached out to me after I had attended a few events and was like, Hey, we're looking to build a street team. Um, we want people to come through and help set up and break down the event. Um, which was like, so very rewarding for me to like, see the start of the event and the closing of the event. And they said, if you help us set up the event and break down the event, we'll put you up in a hotel and we'll let you chain train, chain train for free. Um, so the only thing I was responsible for was my travel, um, uh-huh. which was, like super worth it to me that was like more 
more worthwhile than paying for um, a college education for me to learn how to dance at college. Like I got to go do that and learn so much knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, I did that for, oh God, I want to say six to eight years. There were, there were two to four years where I did anywhere from six to eight cities in a season, which it doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're running a dance studio, like at home and being like, I got to not be here this weekend and I got to, you know, I got to go to Chicago this weekend. I got to go to Nashville this next yeah, weekend. And especially like, trying it, to have that big of a schedule, you know, oh, man. I mean, and, and that wasn't even so bad when I had one studio or even, I think at the time I only had two studios. Um, and the second studio, I only taught at once a week. Mm-hmm. Not that bad. <laughs> yeah. It's not, it's not now where, you know, I'm teaching five studios or six studios, one every night between Tuesday through Saturday or Monday through Saturday. And then I have these backup dance gig opportunities where it's like something's got to give either I do the performance and I take off from teaching or I have to do the teaching gig and I have to not do the backup gig. Right. Like, so it's very humbling and I'm incredibly blessed to have more work coming my way than I have time for. Right. And and that, Mm -hmm. that, that is um, a reward in itself, right? Because there are so many people out there that are aspiring um, for opportunities to be able to do all of these things. And they're yearning for the opportunities, right? Um, I at least um, have learned like the power of no is very strong and being able to say, like I have a pending studio on a Monday in, uh, I won't say where it is or who it is. Um, but I was already set in my mind, like, okay, I'm going to teach Tuesday to Saturday, um, Saturday or Sundays and Mondays will be my flex days to do private lessons because I do have flexible private lessons that I'm like, I can finesse. Right. Um, so I'm kind of torn, like, cause the kids at the studio, the, the students are very good. They're very good. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wouldn't be turning the studio down because the kids couldn't move. Let's just right. put it that way. Like not to be disrespectful, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but in my own mind, I'm like this past year I had Monday nights off and it was the most beautiful thing because so many people work Mondays and I have just sat back and been like, eh, it's my day off. Right. You know? And I'd be like, Hey, Anthony, what episode of uh, Two Bears, One Cave do you want to watch? You know? So- <laughs> <laughs> shout out to Tom and Bert. <laughs> That's, shout out to Tom and Bert, right? Um, but, yeah, I, you know, back to the monsters thing, they, they had me travel. I would pay for the travel, but they would book my hotel room. And they would let me train for free in order to help set up the event and break down the event. So I would mm-hmm. see the event for the convention in a hotel room come in on eight pallets shrink mm-hmm. shrink wrapped yeah break it open move everything to where it needed to go in the hotel set it up and then at the end of the weekend when the convention was done and like people were looking around they're like hey guys uh you can hang out as long as you want but you got to go in the lobby because we got to 
wrap this ish up, right? Uh-huh. So, and just compiling everything onto the pallets, shrink wrapping them. And like, man, I, I will tell you the times that I did that in Chicago, <laughs> <laughs> where it was like a Sunday night and I was shrink wrapping pallets. Yeah, and getting and getting out the, getting out of there at eight or eight thirty p.m. on a Sunday night and being like, "All right, fifteen hour drive home. Here we go." And right. I get home the I get home like with stops and gas and stuff. I get home the next day at noon and be like, "I can't believe I just did that." Yeah, but it's it it, it just comes with the territory of like, you know, I just did, you know, the Tampa gig that I just did on Friday. Uh, last Friday, because this is airing, I believe on Friday, um, I woke up Thursday morning and the airline was like, um, your flight's been canceled. We've rebooked you for tomorrow morning. And I was like, we, uh, my uh, dance colleague and I, we had a hotel booked for Thursday night. So we were like, we're going to lose that room. Like mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to cancel that. So I got on the phone with an agent from American airlines and it was like, after 20 minutes, she's like, okay, we're going to fly you down to Raleigh, North Carolina over to Charlotte and then down to Tampa. And that was on a Thursday. We performed Friday and then our flight out from Tampa on a Saturday morning was to Phoenix, Arizona. And then we flew to San Jose. We got there. We had, you know, the day to get food, took a quick nap, went to the venue did the show bodies were shot because we were yeah. flying all day. Right. And then, um, you know, the next morning we had to be at the airport and we flew back to Phoenix and then we flew back to Philly. It was like, we did seven flights in four days. And I was just like, yeah, that wasn't easy, but like I did it. Right. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's like, you know, you being a father, like you don't know how you do it, but you, you just figure it out. You just, exactly. roll with, you just roll along. Like you can read all the books you want. But until you're in the thick of it, you, it, it it's a new thing every day. And when people say it's something new every day, it is they are not lying. It's definitely a new experience every day. But it's it's worth it in the end. All the sleepless nights, all the you know times that you're half asleep and you're trying to stay awake because he's awake. But it's just so worth it to know that you're you know, taking care of this, you know, human that 100% relies on you, doesn't know anything in the world, but his mom and his dad. Yep. And he relies on you 100% to get him through his first couple years. And like I've always said to be, and I've said this before, that not many people remember their first 12 months of their life. When we go and have kids, you know, you uh, <laughs> you you tend to be like. I don't remember yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I, I my again as I get older, my memory just starts shrinking down. Yeah, you, you were rattling off stuff earlier, like, oh, this, this didn't this happen? That I was like, oh, no, nope, not <laughs> no, at all. no. But so yeah, and it's go to ahead. the point where you know, it's amazing what they go through in the first 12 years. But then again, you're thinking like, I went through that too. But you don't know because you you don't really have that sense of memory unless you ask your parents or somebody who was around your parent, like your grand. If you're lucky to have your parent, your grandparents still, you can be like, well, hey, mom, you know, what was I like in my first, you know, 
couple months was, you know, was I doing what he's doing? You know, is are we kind of somewhat on the same track of like, you know, and the same thing with both with both, uh, you know, parents, you can kind of get information from your parents and grandparents of like if if you know they were there and um you know just getting that type of extra you know help but it's like it's amazing the development and everything they go through in that first 12 months of you know just learn and it's certain things you're like they just come out knowing like you know when we first gave him baby food like he's been on just bottles for like three, four or five months. And he just, we just started giving him food and I'm like, how does he know how to just chew and swallow? But he just starts hey, doing it's, it. It's, it's human nature. And, it's right. It's and I'm like, so weird to watch like, it how do you, now. Like yeah. you, nobody yeah. teaches you how to like chew and swallow. You just, you kind of swallow it, chew it, buddy. But like, he knows it, but like, it's like, you just, you don't teach that. Like you said, human nature, you just know that's what you're supposed to do, but it's crazy. Like, a little kid like that just instantly knows, but you don't teach him that. Well, so it's, it's amazing what those little things, and you know, he hasn't started walking yet, but he's in that like transition of, you know, he's been standing up with assistance, but he's starting to slowly, you know, lift himself off those situations. And like for one or two seconds, be able to balance himself and then just sits down. So I'm like, okay, give it about another month, month and a half. We're going to have a walker and, that's when the real fun ha- uh, starts. That's what everybody's been telling me. Like, yep, when he starts walking, that's when the real fun starts. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think um, it certainly comes from, you know, a spoken life from a higher power. You know, yeah. um, 100%. You know, yes. Uh, and, yes. and it's, it's, it, it's like, you know, your journey to becoming a father and, and you, you and Jen becoming parents, um, it came from the higher power and it, it always has, mm-hmm. and, and it always will for any, any aspiring parent that, you know, wants to raise kids or any aspiring leader, you know, for me, my kid was my business. Yeah. And I nurtured it as best as I could. And sometimes I failed as a parent and it's, it's natural. It's human nature. We, we do that sometimes. Um, you were asking about my inspirations earlier. I think I got into the Michael Jackson thing and then I think we started moving. Right. Right. And um, so we, we had hit, uh, you were mentioning Michael Jackson, uh, Justin Timberlake, and then you started going into monsters. Yep. And how you um, had a lot of inspiring people through there as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, especially, um, my journey with my crew point blank, um, we formed in 2008, um, my best friends other than you, Jeff and Herman, Mm -hmm. um, they're my, they're my dance best friends. They just, they are like, I can talk to them about dance and they get it. Yeah. Um, they both have full time day careers. Um, they don't teach like I do. They right. just, they love dancing. Mm-hmm. It's it's not their upfront first and foremost, but they absolutely love, love it. it. No different than I do. I mean, right. I, I'm invested in it for, you know, I, a, a larger portion of my life. Like they don't have the background training as children right. growing up like I did. Right. But, um, 
we share very similar qualities and they just share like the passion you, that you kind of have. So it's like you sure. guys get, like you said, like you, they get you, you get them when talking about certain dance uh, situations, and you know, it, it's it's always fun to have people that get you on that type of level. You know, sure. because and, you're not you're not going to get that same type of you know conversation with somebody who necessarily doesn't necessarily understand it. You know, right. when, when you I, have something that you love, people may be like. Yeah, that's cool. I'm glad to see you're doing good with it. Like, but they just don't fully understand it. Like, they don't understand how when you live, breathe, and think about it 24 seven. You know, right? I mean, yeah, and I think that we can talk now that I'm talking about my crew, and we can talk about your bands that you were in. Um, I loved both of the bands that you were in. From, I mean, you can edit this out. Obviously, pre-recorded original sins. Mm-hmm. Eyes of Skyline. Eyes of Skyline, um, Spectrums. Totally different. Yeah. And totally different two genres, too. I mean, yeah. Which I was, mean, you know, the, amazing neither, to not, be with. Sure. I mean, it, it offered you versatility. And mm-hmm. you got you got to a point where you're like, I want to do my own thing, right? So, you know, with Point Blank, uh, we had auditioned for America's Best Dance Crew um, several times. And we made mm-hmm. it to, like, the, the final table of consideration um, and with reality television, the way that it is, is like, Hey, if you don't appeal to the general audience with yes. a sob story, we're not casting you. Yes. The same way with American Idol, you know, I yeah, I, I, they were going I mean, off people that had a good story to tell. I mean, you, they, it's not, I can't really necessarily say that they didn't, the people that make it are talented. They do have a talent, but I always felt that. You know, and I I feel the same way. With, I, I think a lot of people might agree as well. Like uh, when Daughtry lost to, I think uh, it was Taylor Hicks. Taylor and Hicks, the Silver a Fox. A lot of yeah. a lot of people were like Daughtry should have won, and I feel the same way. But I feel the reason Taylor won was because he was more appealing to an audience at that time, where Daughtry had the talent, but they probably didn't see him as a marketable you know, tool in that type of aspect. But then you see, you know, and right. that's the thing with a lot of the people that want an American idol, like, I mean, you got your Kelly Clarkson's and your, what's the con- country music star? Uh, Carrie Underwood. Yeah. Carrie Underwood, two big yeah. superstars that came from there. And uh, I feel even there's like Daughtry that didn't even win, but he's just on the same level, if not bi- uh, just as big. Uh, sure. as those two and you know so- sometimes even people that didn't come in the second place you had people that came up and like you kind of forget that they were on American Idol and like you were saying with the best American dance dance crew that like it, it, it's a TV show <laughs> <laughs> I said that totally so, wrong sorry. yeah no I, I was just <laughs> thinking about Bert, Bert fumbling his words earlier <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it, it's like it's it's TV they got to have something that they can, you know, have people connect with the audience and connect with that thing. So if you don't have a good, like, inspiring story, you know, story, then you're you're not gonna make it past a certain level. You might make it to a good height, and that was the same way. Like I, when you see it, uh, you know, when you see it on TV with American Idol, they show you that you're going right to the judges. They don't show you that those people that go to the judges had already been in front of two and three Cat. different panels 
of people casting before director. that, and they've yeah. gotten through three different levels of casting before that. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, I didn't make it past the first, but I had some good feedback. But it's like they were saying, yeah, none of these people are going to meet the kit. The uh, like the the uh, I think Jayla was on it at the time, and uh, other, so yeah. I forget the other two panelists. But they, no, they're like nobody's going to meet them today. You have sure. to come back almost a month later and do more casting, and then they, you know, uh, get to see those. And then they had a couple people where they were having some people shipped to a section of the stadium and they and everybody's like well where are those people going you get people talking around like where are those people going like, oh i heard they're going right to hollywood yeah. and like everybody's like oh crap like yeah. like i i want to be in that thing now but then you know but then you watch the tapes and you're trying to see if you see them you, you didn't see anybody you know so it's like it, it is what it is and, and they, again they probably just feel okay you might go into hollywood but again if you don't have that inspiring reality tv story to tell like you know i came from a you know this and i you know worked my way up to that and here i am today and i'm looking to get this and like you know that's what they're looking for yeah i mean and and you have to consider the demographic of who your audience is right like that's yes you know, you know this all comes down to money let's yeah. let's be serious. so and they're always looking for a different they're always looking for somewhat of the same they, I mean, I'm talking about American Idol. I'm not sure if it was kind of the same way with the dance uh, show. But they, they were always looking for a pop artist. And I feel that's why Daughtry didn't win, because he was not pop. He was rock. And, they, and well, a lot of rock people did not get a lot of, uh, you know, traction through American Idol. So, you know, right. I'm not sure if it's the same well, way with uh, the other show. I mean, it. it's what I just said. It all comes down to money. It's all marketability. Okay, so. Yeah. For the network, they're telling the casting directors of this TV show, cast people that will make the American audience watch this show. Yes. Do not cast your best dancers because they might be boring as shit. Yeah. And that was probably me. I'm not I'm not going to lie. When I went on So You Think You Can Dance, I auditioned in Memphis, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. There were 5,000 people there. They took 25 people to Vegas, and I was one of them. That's point, 0.2% of the people that auditioned in Memphis. Right. And I was, one of, I was one of the people that made it you know, to Vegas. And that's something to say out of all those people. I, I, and that was strictly based on talent. But mm-hmm. because when I got to Las Vegas, and they pulled me into multiple rooms, and they were interviewing me, and they were like, what's your story? make us sell you like without saying it they they were like make us put you on this show give us a reason for you for us to put you on the show it's, it's reality true. television they have to banter to the american viewer and the american viewer watching tv is sitting there saying um hold my attention show me something that's not boring yeah which you know in you know in hindsight you know and i'm going back 12 or 13 years ago when I made it to Vegas for so you think you can dance. And I was in one of the first few rounds to be cut because I went on stage, I danced and I gave really lame interviews. I was just like, I'm here to dance. That's my story. I love to dance. And that wasn't enough. 
Right. It didn't. It didn't offer a sob story. I didn't say, "Oh, I do this because so and so in my family is real sick," mm-hmm. or "I'm doing this for my, you know, blah blah blah." Um, because, you know, yeah. it, it, fill in the blank. Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and I'm not. I'm not discounting the people that do that by yeah. any means. I'm not, I'm not disrespecting that at all. Same um, way. I mean, but, I know there's a lot of people that had some very, you know big inspiring stories whether you know and again with reality tv today you can't you do not know if some of them are true or if they were told hey put this story on just to make it seem you never know but i mean if a lot of those stories were true then hey i mean if you came from that and you got to that point you deserve to be it you know and but then again that's again what we talk about you know you can have the most talent but these people who are watching like you're talented but give me something to want to vote for you like if he's like oh he's coming from here like well okay i really want him to win not just because he's talented because but because i believe in his story you know and that's why i started liking the voice because it was strictly about the music they turned around and didn't even see you they didn't see your, your face they didn't see your image all they heard was your voice and when you started singing they tapped and that's when you start getting the table started. And then they, at, that's when they see the person behind the voice. And I feel like that's okay. It's talent first before the image. And they didn't really worry about a story. You didn't really get too much of like, uh, maybe you didn't get much of a story until you get halfway through the season of knowing this person a little bit better. But when you he- you heard their talent first, then the image of well, the audience knew who they looked like, but the judges didn't see. But they got to see the talent first, and I feel that's, uh, you know, I can't say like it's the better show, but I feel it's, um, more rewarding for the people who have the talent and don't necessarily always have the best story, but they can portray their talent because they know they have a talent, but they, they, they don't have that sob story. They do it just like you said they they're here because they want to play music they want to dance that they're just here because this is what they love to do and i'm here to show you my passion you know? yeah ab- so. absolutely i mean i and i have talked to even teachers that i've had growing up uh that have auditioned for the show that have said you need a story and they were mm-hmm. basically like nah f you i am here to dance like if you don't want me for my dancing, yeah. I'll just go home. And the casting director's like, bye. Because the network producers are like, we need something that's going to be compelling television. And if yes. you just put dancers on the television that aren't able to relate to the general viewing audience, yeah, dismiss. Bye. See yeah. And We're I, not going to get that, ratings with this person. You know? That, that was me. And I mean, that was, you know, point blank. We, um, as a crew had gotten to the final table four times um, for consideration to be on the show. And uh-huh. they were like, the the last time that we went in, <laughs> the lady that interviewed us, she took her clipboard and she slapped it on her leg. And she was like, all right, what's your story? Because we knew we had to have a story. So Herman told a story. It wasn't, and like it wasn't false by any means. Now was this person uh, the same? Was this when you went four times? Did you have somebody new each four times, or did you have somebody like the same person almost every four, every time you went, or was it something um, different every time? 
I think that that particular one might have interviewed us one other time. Gotcha. Um, I only auditioned in 2008 and 2009. Didn't do 10. I'm trying to go back. We did, we did 2012. And then they without me. Uh, <laughs> no, I think they did. Uh, yeah, they did 2011 without me. And the one dancer after he auditioned for American's Best Dance Crew auditioned for So You Think You Can Dance. And then it took him to Vegas uh-huh. for So You Think You Can Dance. So he voided. Um, like he wasn't. You're not like the contract for those TV shows is you're not allowed to be on TV with two separate entities within like X months of each other. Right. So because, um, said dancer auditioned with point blank and they were up for consideration, then audition for, so you think he can dance. And, um, he got taken to Vegas. He was immediately eliminated from the America's Best Dance Crew cast. So Herman Coleman was like, said dancer, did the whole situation I just said. I talked to the casting director. I told them that I had another guy. Would you be interested in doing it? I was like, I'll give you my headshot. I met him over in New Jersey. Uh Here's here's my headshot. Here's my packet with my signatures off 30 pages because if you go on TV, it's not a one-page thing. It's a... It's a thick stack, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, so I handed it off. Herman looked at my headshot and was like, dude, this is amazing. I love this. Um, and we didn't get put on the show because it wasn't a story. Yeah. <laughs> so um, the following year, I believe, we auditioned. And um, you know, Herman tried to give the story. And like I said, it wasn't a false story. I guess it just wasn't a good enough story for right. them. And they want another direction and it, and right. it's fine. I, you know, I, I'm actually more excited. Like, so the same, the same company that runs America's best dance crew runs, um, an international competition called hip hop international. And mm-hmm. we got to do that contest back in 2014. Um, so we flew into Vegas and we were there for 10 days and, the first three days were all about the dancing in the competition. And, you know, we placed not top three because they only took top three from the USA to the international competition. Um, we were somewhere in the middle out of like 25, which is like, great. We're not last. Right. Awesome. <laughs> but we were the first to go. So, definitely some nerves to be had there I we th- had I, think I remember you talking about that too that you, you it, we, 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 we were number one yeah, yeah. <laughs> which is fine like it's great you get to get it over with but mm-hmm. also it's like oh my god we're first okay um and i think it's co- coming off probably coming off with, where was that before or after, i'm trying to remember your timeline before or after uh america's uh after it was so you guys just got done you know years of like getting to the finals of that 
and then going to this and be like, okay, you're done. You're done. Like, wow. It's like, you know, big, like, right. Oof, okay. So, so, so the big thing is because that same competition operated America's best dance crew, because we auditioned for them so many times, um, we were up as candidates to compete in this competition because they don't just take anybody. Right. The, the fact that we had auditioned for their show so many times, they were like, sure, put them in. Right. We were like one of three East coast teams. The rest were all California or Arizona or yeah. Florida. I mean, Florida's East coast, but there were only a few from there. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But it was cool to go out and, and say, okay, we weren't last. We were like in the middle, which is yeah. fine. Um, you know, especially we had a dancer um, uh, in that particular crew, in that group that um, wasn't local. You know, we didn't get to see him very often, so we didn't get to be cohesive, which is yeah. so important. So as far as bands go, I know your bands that you were with. Um, I, I'm I'm backtracking. I don't rem- I don't recall you saying that you had band members that lived super far away, but I'm sure that you had people that missed here and there or more frequently than others, and it it, it gets to yeah. be taxing on the overall outcome of everything, right? The first band, you know, we were all within the same you know this vicinity area yeah. where my second band. Everybody was in the same area except for me. Everybody was from Jersey except for me. So I had the longer, you know, commute. So we would do practice maybe it got to twice a week. And it was good because when we were at shows, we were tight. You know, we we got up there. We knew it was to the point where we knew what everybody was going to be doing. And, and that's like a lot of people with bands, they say it, if you get to the point where you like necessarily don't always have to look at your other member, but you know what he's about to do, that's when you guys know you're tight. And but then it got to the point where, you know, we're like, Oh, Hey, how about we hang out on an extra day and then do this? And I'm like, well, yeah, I can't commit to another day. Cause one, I'm working full time. I, you know, I do have a girlfriend, it, it it helped that she was living in Jersey at the time, but sure. you know, I did have a commute. So we had to be like, okay, well, why don't you guys come to me every once in a while too? And then that started getting, you know, deescalating. Cause we're like, you know, well, you know, it's always like with bands, sometimes, you know, you're always ending up at the drummer's house because he has the most to, you know, take down and set up and everything. So most of the time you're practicing at your drummer's house if you don't have your own rental space. So, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. So, and and it was totally understandable, but it was like, you know, how about every once in a while we just, you know, do without the, and it's kind of hard sometimes too, but like, we can can have like, you know, smaller practices every once in a while and go to my house. And then, you know, it's one, one or two times out of the month. I don't have to do a commute. So sometimes it would work. Sometimes it didn't work, but you know, and that that later kind of, you know, started hurting the band a little bit, but so for aspiring musicians, for anyone listening to this, uh, if you don't know what instrument to play, 
be a drummer because then you will save yourself so much gas because then you'll have to demand everyone to come to you. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> you're, 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 and it's probably better today because, you know, when you're a drummer back then, you didn't have electronic drums where you can plug it into an amp and kind of just, you know, go all night. But, you know, back then you didn't have the electronics. So you're like pounding on these drums at like 10 o'clock at night and your parents are like, and, and I was a drummer at first in uh, elementary and middle school. But Beating then again, those little pads, yeah, yeah. the pads and the sticks <laughs> with the school band and everything, and I then we had like a Kmart drum set that had like a little ting 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 symbol, <laughs> and like maybe two or three different, uh, you know, little drums uh, there, and you know, but then uh, I had a couple friends who were playing guitar. And, you know, my dad's a guitar player. So I'm like, well, dad, teach me a couple, couple things. He got me a guitar. I, you know, learned. And that's how I started ending up getting hooked up with, uh, you know, the first band. My friend knew a guy who played guitar. He had already formed a three piece. Well, it were technically a two piece. It was just him and a, and a bass player. And his, his dad was drumming for them when they were doing like a demo. So they gave me a demo of the stuff. And I'm like, I mean, I, I think I can kind of, you know, keep up with these guys. I mean, it's not nothing that I can't play. And, you know, I was, uh, I think that was like the ninth grade talent show that we had. And I had first played a the uh, talent expo. Yeah. The talent expo. I had no idea. Yeah. I was just like, all right, well, I'll play a, a Hendrix song. Cause I was, and the funniest thing, dude, I'll tell you what I was, what I wanted to do at first. Which I am so glad I didn't because I would have I probably would have had to drop out of high school. <laughs> I wanted to <laughs> I don't think I ever told you this before. I wanted to do Billy Jean and dance to it. Yeah. And I was so confident, like, dude, I can do this. And I was pra- and I dude, don't know what should, made you- you should have done it because if you dropped out of high school, I would have just dropped out with you too. That's fine. <laughs> You're like, well, at least you didn't do Billy Jean with, out of nowhere. <laughs> so thankfully, that didn't happen, and I ended up playing uh, Jimi Hendrix' uh, song "Wind Cries Mary." First time, was it the first time? Probably the first time I did something by myself on stage, and I won first place that night. Came in there not even expecting the place or anything. I think I was one of two or three people that were in the solo section. There was me, I think another person that played guitar, and a piano person. And so, when they said my name for first, I was like, wow, okay. So we're zeroing back to validation, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, honestly, because like what kind of like you, got us into that to be like, okay, this is something like, okay, I mean, maybe I can do this on my own, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, um, I was in fifth grade and I'm sitting there eating a pecan swirl. You know, pecan swirls, they're, they're freaking great. Um, they're if not as good. They're, they're, they're little swirly things. Like you could peel them apart. Uh, oh, okay, okay. It's probably yeah. They're probably. little swir- They're swirls. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're not encrustables. Let's get that straight. <laughs> yeah, not encrustables. Not they. They are not even close. Not. Yo, even close. I had, I had two of those this morning. Oh my god. Uh. 
I haven't had one in a while, and I've been trying to. I've been trying to. And again, we're going to go into a health talk, but uh, <laughs> I've been trying to. <laughs> I've been trying be so hard. I've been trying so hard to kind of be good with my eating because you know COVID and everything. Oh man, it's just been you know. And plus, when you have a kid, you know you're not the first thing you're not really worrying about is what you're eating. You're just worrying about making sure he eats and making sure he gets his stuff done. You're like, okay, let me just, you know, go to Wawa and scarf down some food or, Hey, Wendy sounds pretty good right now. And you've had Wendy's for three, four nights <laughs> and you're like, yeah. Oh, I probably shouldn't have done that. But, <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's insane because you're going to get to the point where like, you know, your son is going to start, opening his eyes to like the world around him and being like, Oh, why is my dad 300 pounds? Oh, he's just eating Wendy's all the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're, and you're like, and, 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 you're just like Kevin Hart, like, damn, damn. I'm and, sorry. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm not disrespecting anybody that has issues with weight. I'm, I'm not no. I'm talking about you specifically. Yeah. And, it's and, fun, it's and, fun uh, to poke fun at, at me and you. It's fine. We're just putting no. I, I'm I'm just playing. You know, I'm just being. I'm trying to be respectful and say, like, you know, you want to be the best role model father for your kid as he grows up. So you're gonna get to a point where you're like, man, when when my son can start remembering stuff, I want him to remember me in my best form. And that's where you're gonna have to say, okay. Um, the stuff that we're doing now, just for the sake of making sure, okay, my kid's not falling out of his crib, falling on his head, and uh, he's eating, mm. and his his poop color is normal, and like just things like that, just right? the everyday like, stuff, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think once once you get past that, and once he starts talking, you'll be like, okay, he's going to start to understand stuff, and then you're going to be like, okay. Now I'm going to start teaching him how to remember lyrics of songs. And then it's going to be so super fun for you. And I am so excited for you for that. Um, and I'm excited to be uh, witnessing that. Yeah, Look, it's going to be fun because like, it's, it's one of those things that I don't want to force music on him. But I want him to find it on his own if he can. Same same way with sure. sports. I mean, we're but we're me and uh, me and Jen are the same way with sports. Like you know, we want him to find it on his own. But we'll give him like, hey, this is basketball. Like we we just bought, we just had given him. He had gotten one for his birthday, like a basketball, like a, a try. Like said, it's like basketball, soccer, and bowling all in one. And you know, I've been kind of showing him basketball here and there and soccer and kicking the ball and a little bit of bowling and stuff so kind of giving him that like like putting in his head a little bit of like sports and stuff but then you know there's times where like i was restringing my guitar before my gig my most recent gig and he come and every once in a while he, he loves looking at my guitars so he'll look at him and start kind of like doing this little thing with the strings and you know, he, he definitely has and he definitely has an ear for sounds and I and because you know, when he hears a theme song, he like stops what he's doing and he looks at it, and because he he remembers, you know, that like sound. And I can't even say music right now. I'm just ta I'm taking it as sounds. He remembers specific sounds of what he likes. So I can uh, and it and if that's a music ear, 
then I hope he continues to develop that music ear, and that'll be awesome to see what what comes out of that. But I do know, and I can feel that he has a ear for sounds. I'll take it as that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, there is this company, uh, or there was at least. <clears throat> going back nine to ten years now um this dance company they were called shaping sound they were comprised of some of the best dancers i've ever seen Hmm. but shaping sound um is so important as to why i am here like with you today because i know that this is a musician's you know conversation and while you have inspired me to pick up a guitar and i have um i'm looking at the one over there right now and you you and i have had in-depth conversations about basics and i have played and i have not gotten super super far into it just based on scheduling and other um circumstances but and maybe that's like the last the maybe one of the last little topics we can get into now is like I I feel now I've shown you the basics of how to play an instrument and for my wedding you taught me the basics of choreography. I even before, even before that uh you had had me stand in as a placement for one of your things when I, we when I was at your studio one time, but I uh, but you had choreographed something for for me for my wedding. So we have now experienced like me in your shoes and you're in my shoes. So let, let's talk yeah. about let's talk let's talk about that a little bit. Like how you know, uh, you know you're, you're you wanted to pick up an instrument. You wanted to pick up guitar. I've shown you a little bit of like the ins and outs. So tell me how. You know, I, it's been a bit since you picked it back up, but like, you know, let, let's talk a little bit about how like being in somebody else's shoes with like, you know, how how you see the work of playing guitar and, you know, so. So um, I'm going to circle back to Michael Jackson real quick because he um, brought a dancer over from Australia when, this, when the dancer was like nine years old, I think he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the age of 12 or 13, he was touring the country and teaching like preteen to teenager and was the hottest commodity a dance convention could ever get a hold of because Michael Jackson brought him over from Australia. Right. Right. Um, I took class from this guy when I was 16 up in the Meadowlands in New York. And he said to me, well, not me directly, but to the classroom, he said, when you can hear in the music what each instrument values, what the guitar plays, what the drum plays, what the bass guitar plays, hmm. if there's a xylophone, a harmonica, yeah, and if they're all coupled at the same time, if you can distinguish and isolate what instrument makes what sound Mm -hmm. that's when you get ahead of the game and immediately that was like when i started saying okay i want to know instruments Mm -hmm. i want to know because for dancing purposes 
for choreography purposes. And as I got older, I would emulate the sounds of different instruments in songs. Yeah. Um, because I could hear the differences. Okay, yeah. this is a bit. This is a bass guitar. This is a kick pedal. This yeah. is a cymbal. This mm-hmm. is the electric guitar. And I, <laughs> the last thing that I would emulate is the vocals because um, when your movement emulates the vocals, it seems so much more obvious to the eye yeah. of someone watching. Um, but at the same time, I would, um, <laughs> and, and and I'm gonna backtrack. Mildly, <laughs> when I hear music, I listen for the vocals last, hmm. and it's it's probably because of that conversation, yeah, that happened from that teacher, and it's because I'm dissecting the different yeah. sounds and saying this belongs here, this is over here, and even in EDM tracks where it's like you know the kicks are different from the snares everything that they do in edm where it's electronic it's like you can hear different ripples and different textures of everything and at that point it's channeling your energy different because it's like you don't need to move like blah 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 and i always i always talk to um like i had a private lesson today and i um biggest thing i was telling the student who just started not six months ago was like if you aren't performing in front of an audience and taking them on a roller coaster ride. And I have told this to, you know, my former students at the studio that I, the team that I was running, mm-hmm. it's not taking them up and down. You're running on this. Yeah. And what's this? You're riding on a train. And what do people do on trains? They sleep. Mm. What do people do on roller coaster rides? They're crazy. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and and that's what I was explaining to her today, and she was like, "Oh my god, yeah, absolutely, totally." So, the fact that I shared so much about like dynamics with her was so important to me as a coach because when I started teaching, uh, you know, fifteen almost twenty years ago now, it was just copy me. Do what I do, copy me. If you look the way that I do, you got it. Now it's a lot different. I'm like demonstrating movement and uh, I'm catering to the individual and I'm saying, okay, I know your strengths and I know your weaknesses. So I'll go to the individual and say, okay, I know your weakness. So try to do this stronger but you're also doing this really well. So it's carrots and sticks. It's carrots and sticks, right? Yeah. Um, My high school um, social studies teacher for freshman and senior year, he taught me carrots and sticks where it's like, here's a carrot, great job, but also stick, 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 where it's like, good job, but also, man, (laughs) right? (laughs) Um, and, and, And that's life, right? Like you at your job, you're appreciated, do a great job, but also like, eh. and, and I get that everywhere where it's like, this is great, but if we want you to be better, we need to target something that we would like to be better. Here it is. Yeah. So as long as you don't take that personally, you're in a good spot. Um, okay. How do we get into that? So you were saying that, uh, 
you wanted to start an instrument because you're starting oh. to hear instruments yes. when you're listening to music. Thank you're you. dissecting different instruments, and the guitar is something you wanted to pick up because you do hear guitar, and it's it's kind of uh, in that same way, like how you were talking about. You hear music. Musicians feel the same way that they hear music differently than the average listener. So, I mean, go on what you were saying now that you're back in that space. Yeah, so I think to help uh, conclude um... – Anthony, thank you so, so much for having me on board uh, for this. Um, I was nervous coming in. And I know that this is pre-recorded. Look, patreon.com backslash table underscore talk. Subscribe. Become a Patreon. My best friend, Anthony, has so much content to be able to share with you guys. And I would love to be a part of that. In fact, um, speaking of instruments, uh, I don't play one. Um, but I view myself as one. Mm-hmm. Um, so as a performer, as a dancer, um, we get to value ourselves as the supplemental instrument to the music that nobody else has ever heard. So when you get to see music, that's what I live for. You know, that's what I thrive for. And uh-huh. um, Anthony here has some upcoming tracks that he is ready to release. I have been fortunate to hear a couple of the samples of them. Um, and I am going to be sharing um, some dance footage to one of his upcoming tracks as a preview. Um, uh, I'd say uh, Anth, before the end of the year, you, you, you would have that one, track produced. I think this one can definitely be before the end of the year. It's it's an instrumental and I'm not sure if I might add a little bit more to it, but it's it's a very short thing. But I think this one's cool with being a short uh, instrumental. It, it kind of it like how you said, it's not a train, but it kind of takes you through a little, you know, coaster a little bit. It, uh, I mean, knowing that you've heard it, it kind of has like something that starts you like, OK, it's coming in. Then it brings in more aspects. Then it brings in more. And then by the time you get it, you it's it cuts off and you're just like, oh, it's like you just got done, you know, experiencing something great. It just cuts off at the very end. You hear that there's like echoes at the end. So it's sure. It's, it's, it's a cliffhanger, it's, right? So, yeah. um, so it's, which it's, is it's cool, which is perfect. Um, so the storyline of my performance as the extra instrument is kind of going to um, dive into how Anthony and I met, which we didn't talk about, um, and also kind of dive into one of Anthony and my uh, newest passions that we definitely didn't talk about in this episode. Um, So I'm going to kind of bridge the gap between how we met, where we are now, through both of our passions, and it's it's going to bring everything full circle. So excited to present this to you guys. Um, if you're not on Patreon, once again, patreon.com backslash table underscore talk. Subscribe. Spoken Life. Yeah, make um, sure you guys do that. And 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 and, and we um, if, if you want to see um, a little bit deeper into what uh, mine and Anthony's twenty plus year friendship is all about. You're going to want to see this one. It's very special. I'm so excited about this project. Anthony doesn't even know the details of it right now. I have this so 
uptight under wraps, but I have been working on it for the past like 48 hours. Um, and he kind of just, so cool. just put it on. He kind of put it on me and saying like, Hey, I'm going to do this. And I'm like, I am totally down because I kind of went with him with an idea a couple months ago. I'm like, and I showed him this and I'm like, this would be awesome to kind of, you know, put something that I wrote and then put your passion of like dance into it. Cause I felt that it's something that you can dance to and kind of have a feeling to. So it'd be, it'd be cool because what I was mentioning with the fact that how I went into your world of knowing, uh, your, you choreographed, you, uh, sorry, uh, you did some choreography for me and I taught you some guitar. So we've kind of seen our, different passions from each other but when it comes to that like we both share something that we're showing people a feeling where jim portrays feeling through his body where i'm portraying where i'm portraying feeling through an instrument and something that you're hearing and where something with jim you're seeing that portraying so there's something that when it comes to feel it's the same thing, but it's being portrayed. And this is something cool to, uh, you know, again, we always say like, oh, we're going to end this, but then we get something else going. But this is cool. Like, I just thought about that. Like, we're portraying some type of feeling, but we're doing it in two different aspects where we're doing it through a uh, feeling of, you know, being portrayed through body motion and feeling through guitar. You know, uh, when they talk about, you know, feeling like you can play something on guitar but it's different when you're playing with feeling and you put emotion behind what you're playing. And it's, and I feel it's the same way with dance. Like you can show me a piece and I can go through the motion, but you can tell when somebody has feeling and when they're just going through the motion. Okay. So um, if I can, if you don't mind, it's one of my things. I have a list because, (laughs) <laughs> I like I knew I had to organize my thoughts for this because <laughs> we could talk for out like days, days, yeah. days. And I was yeah. like, for this first one, um, because you just said that, I want to talk about my most valued projects. Um most of them come from a deeper rooted meaning, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but that but that doesn't mean that I haven't had successful projects where it was just like I want to make these kids freaking dance I and and just let them go on stage and dance. And it doesn't have to be a theme. And sometimes judges are like, wow, I didn't have to think about like the theme behind it, but I just saw really great dancing and they love it. Right. Um, but the majority of the time it comes from a deeper place. So this project that I am doing um, for Patreons only um, if you want to see this, you have Patreon. to subscribe slash table underscore talk. Thank you. Um, yes, uh, you are going to get to see my short film. That is kind of an introduction to who me and Anthony are, um, as friends. It's not a very long thing at all. It is less than a minute. Okay. Which is all our time spans are anymore. If you see anything on YouTube, that's like one Oh one. You don't watch it. If you see something that's 59 seconds, oh, yeah, you got time for that. (laughs) Yeah. So it'll be under a minute, okay? Um, It's not a 10-minute, oh, we met in the sixth grade. Um, I I noticed that he had a booger here, and I was like, hey, Anthony, um, 
and then we got in trouble by a teacher <laughs> and then we went home and we had to tell our moms we got in trouble in school today and then we got beat and <laughs> we, we 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 did it our moms did are great it, no. like the, the, no. no we didn't yeah. we, <laughs> no <laughs> we didn't no. no yeah not that time um <laughs> yeah not that time <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, l- look, Anthony, uh, we got to get out of here. I, uh, I just want to say, I love you. Thank you so much for having me. Um, Patreons, I hope you appreciate what I have to offer, um, as the extra instrument to Anthony spoken life. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been such a pleasure. Um, I was so nervous coming into this, uh, and just thank you for letting me be me and Absolutely, perhaps, man. It will shed some light into. Um, we definitely have way more to talk about, and like I said, we're gonna do a part two. Uh, but uh, yeah, I will definitely let everybody know once this video is up, and it'll be for the Patreons. So make sure you guys are subscribing because you will get notified when that video gets up. Uh, before we get out of here, Jim, uh, is there anything that you want to plug? Any? I know you're going on tour. Uh, maybe a couple more tour dates if you wanted to give them up or if there's anything else you want to plug before we get out of here. Yeah, sure. So if you are in or around the area of Wildwood, New Jersey, uh, September 5th, I will be performing there. Um, October 16th, I'll be in West Newbury, New York. Um, no, uh, the end of October, still pending, I'll be in Cancun to do a backup gig in case if any of you are in Cancun. Um November 27th, I should be down in Daytona, Florida, if you're down there. Um, And then December 4th, San Diego, California um, is where I will be. And that will round me out for 2021. Um, If you want to see any more performances from me, otherwise, you can find me in my DMs. Uh, If you don't know how to reach out to me, uh, patreon.com backslash table underscore talk you can ask mr spoken life anthony urban himself and he will let you know how to get a hold of me sound good absolutely absolutely and you guys can catch me uh next month i do have a confirmed gig uh back up at tom's bar and grill in royersford pa so if anybody's watching within the area feel free to come out i will be live streaming the gigs i live stream all my gigs uh i will be back at the sterling pig hopefully next month i haven't got a confirmed date for that yet but i i had a fun time uh debuting over there uh last week it was a fun time so looking forward to coming back and uh that's in media pa so uh you know make sure you guys are uh you know subscribing to the patreon and if you guys want to be staying updated on my gigs and stuff go to spokenlifemusic.com you can sign up to the email list i uh put out all my gigs and when i'm playing where i'm playing so if you're in the area or if uh even if you're not sign up to the email list and uh watch the live streams so uh once again i want to say thank you to jim green for being on here with me uh love you bro Let's do this again very, very soon. We have a lot more to talk about. You know it. I know it. And thank you all for tuning in to this week's uh, episode of Table Talk. If you like it, make sure to give this a like, a follow. Follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us so much. Even if you give it a five-star without a review or if you give it a five-star, it's a thumbs up. It uh, you know gives us a lot of help on the uh, reviews and the charts and everything. And share this episode with a friend. 
and past episodes. Uh, if you love the content and if you have any guest submissions, if you're a musician or any type of entertainer that would love to be on the show, hit me up. Uh, you can uh, find me on uh, the website spokelightmusic.com slash table dash talk and uh there's a guest submission that you can enter and you can uh put in your submissions for there so thank you once again and i will see you all on the next episode of table talk jim thank you very much talk to you soon buddy anthony i love you brother talk soon thank you